0: Welcome to Distrust and Disparities Podcast, Dismantling Black Health Disparities. We are two black women discussing health disparities that disproportionately affect black women and black families. We examine both current and historical cases of medical injustices within the American healthcare system. Most importantly, we amplify organizations and individuals working with marginalized communities to improve health outcomes. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Camille White.
1: In this episode, we discuss abortions, the controversial decision of the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, and the detrimental impact it will have on Black women. And we highlight Sister Song, an organization working to improve the institutional policies and systems that impact the reproductive lives of marginalized communities.
0: All right. So welcome back, distrust and disparities community family. Thanks again for tuning in. We're going to jump right into this week's episode. And we wanted to discuss what took place this summer. On June 24th, 2022, because sometimes I need to verify what year we in, <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which is the landmark 1973 Supreme Court decision that affirmed the constitutional right to an abortion and This topic is so complex. There's so many layers, especially when it comes to Black women. We knew we had to bring it to the podcast just to discuss what's going on. But like I said, this topic is so complex that we can't cover it all in one. And we'll go into specific cases that specifically affect Black women in marginalized communities, in our next episodes. But for this week's episode, we specifically wanted to break down what is an abortion, reasons people get abortions, and look at some of those statistics, and also do a simple breakdown of Roe v. Wade. And also, we want to take a look at how Black women were impacted before Roe v. Wade, and also how they will be most likely impacted After Roe v. Wade has been overturned. So let's jump right into it.
1: So to start off, you know, what is an abortion? And it is defined as the termination of pregnancy by various means that could include medical surgery, and that is before the fetus is able to sustain independent life, you know, outside of the uterus. There weren't any laws really in the U.S. specifically banning abortion until the 19th century. And I have a quote from an article by Aaron Blakemore from the National Geographic that as physicians professionalized in the mid 19th century, they increasingly argued that licensed male doctors, not female midwives, should care for women throughout the reproductive cycle. With that, they began to denounce abortion. And around that time, too, you had white women who were in the middle and upper classes. They had reproductive control because that was seen as their domain. It was a part of like the home, and they were in charge of that. But then with the 19th century, and you have the end of slavery and the influx of a lot of immigrants to the U.S., racist white people. Wanted to maintain control of the country. So they wanted to force white people to have babies because they feared that they weren't having enough to maintain the control. And all of a sudden, you have all these others, all these black mm-hmm. people, all these other immigrants coming into the country that, you know, they're going to take charge and we're going to be the minority group.
0: And Camille, you said this was the 19th century because this is fe- sounding very. 2020-ish, 2000s-ish, uh-huh. you know. Yes. This is sounding this is, very familiar. But you-
1: Yeah, this is like history repeating itself. Mm. That cliche of like, because mm, we are all very familiar with, you know, protecting white life, as someone mm. said. So, unfortunately, yes, this is such an example of history repeating itself. And people not recognizing that, again, <laughs> racism is everywhere. Yes. And this is a clear example of that, yeah. And
0: this is an example of why we want to do this podcast so we can examine our history, see what's mm-hmm. going on, and try to prevent it from happening again and seeing what we can do to improve health care and just improve health outcomes for everyone. Like you were saying, until, about 1973, abortions were banned or severely limited in most states unless they were performed by physicians. And in most cases, it was to protect the life of the mother. And like you pointed out and we pointed out in several other episodes The field of gynecology, it was colonized by white male physicians looking to, one, make money and also to become leaders in that field and just to take over the gynecology Mm -hmm. fields. And women have been having abortions as early. What were you saying? The earliest known abortion was when?
1: Over 4,000 years ago in 1550 B.C. Egypt. Like. Mm abortions have been happening for forever, you could kind of say, since pregnancy. And there's Mm -hmm. so many reasons to that. But it's the problem of more recently, it's been demonized and looked at as a way to claim that you want to help women, you want to help people, but it's it's always been about control and it's always Mm -hmm. been about those in power trying to control everyone else and maintain their power.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll get into later in the episode, some of the reasons that women are having abortions, but during like the 19th century abortions, they were very dangerous and unsafe in the U S untrained professionals or Ordinary people were performing about a thousand abortions each year, and they were often using hasty, unsanitary and dangerous means that resulted in maiming, permanent damage of organs and oftentimes the death of many women. And I'm just clenching my stomach just thinking about the ways in which many of these illegal abortions were performed just
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know trying to s- suck out tissue and i just think the what comes to mind is just like a wire hanger, a clothes hanger. Yeah. I don't know that's like the first image that really comes to my mind when i think of illegal abortions and, and there is just plenty just dangerous and unsafe methods.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that this speaks to like even media portrayals because I think of that too. And it also shows just the desperation uh-huh. you have when you so desperately need this outcome and without really. Delving deep into, you know, all the things that could possibly happen, you have this one goal and you'll do anything to reach that goal. And that's then to the detriment of yourself, unfortunately, when you are in such a desperate place where you don't want to continue the life of the the fetus that you're carrying. To, yeah, to even be in that space, which like I can't even imagine is so terrifying.
0: Mm hmm. And oftentimes it was poor women, black women, minority women that were dying due to Mm -hmm. illegal abortions. And I'm going to pull a quote from the book Killing the Black Body by Dorothy Roberts. She writes, half of the maternity related Deaths among Black women in New York City in the 1960s were attributed to illegal abortions. Black women were less likely than white women to be able to afford safe, illegal abortions and were generally denied legal therapeutic abortions performed in hospitals. Of all the therapeutic abortions performed in New York City at the time, for example, over 90% were performed on white Women. And this just highlights a huge disparity. If you had money, you could afford a safer abortion, but many Black and poor women could not afford it at the time. And they either died or suffered by getting an illegal, dangerous abortion performed. So many women were dying, coming to the emergency departments, just bleeding out and having just complications of an illegal abortion performed. Around this time, like the 1960s into the 70s, the court was debating legalizing abortion because so many people were dying due to botched illegal abortions. And then you also have the feminist movement, the women's rights Mm -hmm. movement is also going on around this time. So women are trying to have bodily autonomy And we're going to move on to discussing Roe v. Wade, the decision. We're just going to give a simple overview. And we suggest we're going to provide you with plenty of links in our show notes where you can further your reading. Because in doing my research for this episode, I did learn a lot that I did not know. There's a lot of misconceptions and myths floating around regarding Roe v. Wade, but it's a Historic Supreme Court case that examined whether the U.S. Constitution recognizes a woman's right to end her pregnancy. So Norma L. McCorvey, she discovered that she was pregnant in June 1969. It was her third child, but McCorvey, she wished to have an abortion. At this time, she was living in Texas and Texas law only allow women to have an abortion in cases of rape or incest or to save the mother's lives. So McCorvey was advised by her friends to falsely assert that she had been raped, but there was no police report to back this claim up. Instead, McCorvey attempted to have an illegal abortion, but she discovered that the illegal facility had been shut down. So eventually, McCorvey, she visited a local state attorney seeking advice on what to do next, and she was referred to Linda Coffey and Sarah Wendleton, two recent graduates of the University of Texas Law School, and they were looking to debate Texas abortion laws. So Coffey and Welderton brought a lawsuit on behalf of McCorvey. During the lawsuit, McCorvey, they changed her identity to Jane Roe and this was in order to protect her identity. So they claimed that Texas's state law violated Roe's constitutional right. In the suit, they stated that while her life was not in danger, Roe had a right to obtain an abortion in a safe medical environment within her home state. So the Texas district court agreed with Rose lawyer and they ruled that Texas's law violated Roe's right to privacy, which is the Ninth Amendment. So that was unconstitutional. Texas appealed the court's decision. They took it to the Supreme Court and arguments in the case they began on December 13th, 1971. Rose, she was unable to have an abortion so she did end up having the child, and I believe she gave this child up for adoption. But that's just a side note. Back to the case. On <laughs> January twenty second, nineteen seventy three, the court issued its seven to two decision. The court determined that Texas violated Rose's constitutional right to privacy, and the court determined that abortions were within a woman's zone of privacy. It was ruled that a woman had a fundamental right to the procedure and that any limitations on abortion must meet the standards of strict scrutiny. The major opinion at that time was written by Justice Harry A. Blackmun. He argued that making abortion broadly illegal violates the due process clause of the 14th Amendment, which ensures a citizen's right to privacy. The clause reads that, no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. In essence, it means that states must respect the rights afforded to Americans. So it's basically saying within the context of Roe v. Wade, a person's bodily autonomy, what you want to do with your body was considered a part of your privacy right. And with excessive government regulation, of a person's bodily autonomy, it makes it unconstitutional. And I know, or let me finish this up first before I get into how I feel. (laughs) And additionally, once they made abortions legal, the court had to divine certain characteristics of a person's life. So the state determined that In the first trimester, abortion may not be regulated by anyone besides a pregnant person and their doctor. In the second trimester, a state may regulate abortion if such a regulation is reasonably related to maternal health. And then finally, in the third trimester, once a fetus is viable, By viable, they mean can survive outside the womb, which is roughly around 24 or 28 weeks. States may regulate or prohibit abortion altogether, except in cases where the act is medically necessary to save a life. So I know that was a lot. So feel free to rewind it back and (laughs) re-listen to all that or also go to our show notes and we'll highlight the specific articles that break down Roe v. Wade, and they'll have more details and everything. But I will say I didn't know that the decision was based off of the right to privacy. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, because that's that's never what is discussed. Mm-hmm. It's You hear the term Roe v. Wade, and all you're really told usually is a superficial, oh, it's tied to abortion, and that you can have an abortion. But it was never sort of broken down, or at least not for me in any mm-hmm. sort of educational institution, that it was based off of people interpreting laws and different things in a certain way to be like, oh no, that's just your right to privacy. It's your body right. and you can do what you want to do with it. It's it's your right to privacy. Where that's what's even crazier, the fact that it was overturned when like, so wh- what now are y'all claiming? What BS are y'all coming up with now where this is wholly shifted, and the way you want to look at it is completely changed. When what you said in 1973 should still register today. Mm-hmm.
0: And you bring up a a good point with Supreme Court rulings; they set the precedent. And Roe v. Wade, the precedent, it was challenged multiple times, and the scope was narrow, but they did not take away the original precedent, the right to a safe and legal abortion. But Mm -hmm. in June, 2022, a few months ago, they basically what's happening is states get to decide whether they want to allow abortions to take place and about, it's looking like it's going to end up with like half of the states, mostly down South are going to take away women's right to have An abortion. And also, like you're saying now, there's this twist where before, when it came to abortions, they were going after the doctors that are performing the abortions. Now they're going after the women who are having abortions. And I think it was North Carolina, they're talking about giving women life sentences, also giving them the death penalty for having an abortion. And it's just like, how can you? really say you care for a life when you know you're ready to also just sacrifice and kill the mother like I just Mm -hmm. you know you say you're pro-life and all this but
1: (laughs) that does not mean that at all right
0: like are you caring about the mother are you looking at the factors that are she is considering when she is getting an abortion and also once she has that baby are there social structures in place to help support the mother, also the families?
1: Not in this country. Not in this country. There is so much that we are lacking, especially when people want to say that America is the best and America is the richest and America is, you know, number one in the world. And it's just like, uh, actually we get a grading of F in a lot of things compared to a lot of countries that are just like us in terms of industry and economy. And you can't claim to be pro life when once that life is outside of the uterus, you literally don't care because you don't have anything in place to help everybody in this country. When it comes to children and those lives outside of the uterus, you don't have the social structures, like you said, to support people and enable them to raise their families in the best way possible. And even exactly. the whole thing of States having a say of like, Oh, Now states can control whether or not someone can have an abortion. They were already like strongly restricting that in the first place when you have certain Mm -hmm. states before that literally had one reproductive clinic in the entirety Mm -hmm. of the state that would even perform an abortion. Y'all were already had a stronghold over it and were doing what you really wanted to do and forcing people to even at that point have to travel outside of their state and far away from their home to get the right that the Supreme Court had previously given them. And now you're just like, okay, we can shut them down. Officially, We can get rid of them officially because, you know, bye-bye. Like now we have a conservative court on our side to say, actually, no, we will control what women do with their bodies. And there is no right to privacy. And like you said, they're now criminalizing you Mm -hmm. for even having an abortion and throwing your whole life away Mm -hmm. because they're deeming your life is less valuable as a woman to a fetus's existence which is just so crazy because it's you don't you don't care about women unless we're having babies that's Mm -hmm. what you're telling us Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing with this
0: and certain women having babies and yes certain i want to point out the maternal health outcomes in this country are horrible so it's not safe for women to have babies but also Mm -hmm. like you were saying how America has become so polarized with pro-choice, pro-life. One of the articles, they had a quote, and it states, the overturning of Roe v. Wade also calls into question the legitimacy of the court, which is expected to maintain precedent. Such precedent prevents landmark decisions from shifting every few decades and ensures government stability. But in a time of increasingly polarized politics, it seems unlikely that this court will respect precedent. So because we have a majority conservative Supreme Justices, they are looking at it from their viewpoint, a conservative viewpoint, and they're not taking into effect the landscape of America and Mm -hmm. what most women want. So, and also I've seen other things where Republicans, they were saying, okay, let's go after other landmark proceedings like also looking at the right to contraceptive also looking at gay marriages they're also looking at i heard one was saying let's go after brown versus the board of education it's just i'm like you said we said in the beginning like we're living in the what 21st century it does not feel like it at all. No. Like, we
1: are backsliding into a hellscape of bullshit. And that's what's so terrifying. But it's also the thing, too, of that there have been people who have for a long time said that, like, this had the potential of happening and people who have been screaming at the top of their lungs, especially black and brown and people Mm -hmm. of color, indigenous people who have always recognized that like, we have never had control of our lives truly in this country in the way that people Mm -hmm. may think because you also have, Mm -hmm. and of our bodies. Yeah. Cause you have so many people running around saying that like, oh, you know, racism is dead and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, no, it's not you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention because if you were paying attention, you would be angry, you would be worried, you would be Mm -hmm. concerned. And unfortunately for so many people who've been actively working in this field and others to try to get the rights and protect the rights of marginalized communities, this isn't some huge shock. This isn't something that, you know, they didn't see coming because it was, the writing was on the wall. Mm -hmm. When you have a Supreme Court being stacked with people that are so conservative and have ridiculous views on things. And some of them don't even have the credentials to even be up Mm. there, but yet they are. Mm. And that's, it's so concerning and it's just like, we should not be here. We, why Mm. we are backsliding tremendously and it's scary and upsetting. And yeah, yeah, it sucks.
0: It's just crazy. And we, we could talk this whole episode <laughs>
1: about <laughs> where
0: we think this country is going and mm-hmm. how scared we are. And, you know, there's, there's so many things to keep you distracted, but there's so much going on that we need to be aware of and we need to look back at our history. And mm-hmm. you can't just focus on just the headlines. You really need to read the information, go further even further than this podcast, listen to multiple podcasts, multiple different sources, but you have to take a deeper dive and uncover why women are having abortions, the how, the when. And if you don't want women to have an abortion or as one podcast says, if you don't support abortions, just don't have one. And also take it a step further. Mm-hmm. Why are women having abortions? So I did want to take part of the episode to just examine some of the statistics regarding abortion. So we'll jump into that. And I want to point out, like, there's two organizations that collect information regarding abortion. And most of the information is collected on a voluntary basis, women aren't required to answer certain statistical information, and doctors and facilities aren't required to give over certain data. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they are one institution that collects information, and also the Gut Matcher Institute, they try to measure certain statistics and figures regarding abortion. And there's a big gap in their numbers because I know the CDC doesn't collect information from. I think it's about like six states that do not give their information to the CDC, and I believe one of them is California, and that's a oh, okay. Really, the <laughs> harder So, <laughs> and with this, the statistics can be interpreted in different ways. So I'm just pulling out some keys statistics that I felt were important to bring to the podcast. So most of this data is from like 2019 with like the pandemic, it kind of backed up getting more current data. So the CDC, they reported 629,000 abortions approximately. And then the Gut Institute's Institute, is, their figure says it was about 900,000 abortions that took place in 2019. So you see there with that huge disparity gap. But both organizations point out that the number of abortions has decreased and has been steadily declining over the past several years. How this measures up, so in 2019, so those numbers, that's about 19% of U.S. pregnancies ended in abortion. And this is excluding spontaneous miscarriages. We also wanted to look into who's having abortions. So in 2019, 86% of all abortions were from unmarried women. And it was mostly women in their 20s. They accounted for most of the abortions. And adolescents under 15, they were like less than 0.2%. And women ages 15 to 19 accounted for 8.5%. And I did want to look into the racial breakdown of women having abortions. According to the Gutmatcher Institute, the race breakdown for women. So of women were white, 28% black. And that figure is kind of, I get anywhere between 28% and 34% for African-Americans. And then we have 25% Hispanics and 6% Asian or specific. And then the rest 3% was other from other background. And I want to point out that, black women, we make up about 13% of the population and we're receiving 38% of those abortions. So it's saying that black women are five times more likely to have an abortion. To further break that down, it says white women are having about 6.6 abortions per thousand women and black women are having about 23.8 abortions per thousand women. Also wanted to highlight, I thought, another statistic that really stood out to me, and it says over the last few decades, abortion and unintended pregnancies have become increasingly concentrated among poor patients. So approximately 75% of abortion patients are low income, and many of them have a family income that's less than 200% of the federal poverty level.
1: Which just... Speaks to so many things where I think if you're coming from a lower income, poor background, I'm wondering then what was your education about contraceptives in general and schooling on sex ed and safe mm-hmm. sex and understanding that maybe if those things were put in place you wouldn't then have so many people reaching the point of having an unintended pregnancy and then needing to go about getting an abortion mm-hmm. there's there's so many things that where it's like i know we'll talk about it later but access is a huge mm-hmm. part of this discussion too mm-hmm.
0: and in the gut Matcher institute they conducted a Very comprehensive study that examined the reasons why U.S. women have abortion. Oftentimes, when we talk about abortion, people bring up the reasons is just rape and incest. Two very traumatic incidents. And I was looking at, they looked into some of the reasons that women were having abortion. And it's less than 0.2% for both rape and incest. And this is, you know, voluntarily reported information. But when they did this study, many of the respondents, they indicated financial reasons and Mm -hmm. complications at home. But two of the biggest themes that came up were financial difficulties and also just a lack of support. And this could be coming from like from your partner or having no partner and just like. If you already have children, but the lack of resources to take care another child. And then they also brought up it's such a complex situation and women, they consider so much even looking at their religious beliefs and also just the financial hardship and just the not being able to support A child not being ready, like especially those who were younger in their 20s, and then those in like their 30s and older, just limited resources. And they say women, they look at the whole picture. They think about so many other people besides themselves when they're considering having abortion. And oftentimes, as women, we're not just thinking of about ourselves. We're thinking about our finances. Do we have the support to be able to care for another child? Like just the strain that it's going to put on the household emotionally and financial. So women are considering all these things when they are considering having an abortion. And we're going to link this article in our show notes, but this is something that I think everybody should read and just to look into. And I just wanted to end on this quote. It says, the impact of abortion bans will fall particularly hard on people who already face discriminatory obstacles when accessing health care. In particular, people of color, those having difficulty making ends meet, members of the LGBTQ plus community, young people, people in rural communities, and undocumented people. We wanted to, this last segment, we wanted to talk about the impact on Black women specifically. And I don't know if you heard the saying, when white folks catch a cold, Black folks catch pneumonia.
1: I have not heard of that, but... Basically saying... I get the thought behind it.
0: it right. <laughs> like, if it's worse for white people, it's going to be extremely bad for mm-hmm. African Americans and those in marginalized communities.
1: Yeah. It's like if white people suffered a flood, mm-hmm. it was a whole last tsunami for everybody else.
0: basically. And many are arguing that ending the right to abortion will spark... Uh, even greater public health crisis for black women It's basically going to lead to more maternal deaths, higher rates of poverty, and just greater inequality overall. We already know the statistics that black women are more likely to die in childbirth. But, Mm -hmm. and like you said, we're already the highest group of women having abortions and Just some statistics that I just wanted to point out. The Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe means that Black women and Black families will suffer the most. So this impact will extend beyond just the mother. So research shows that when women who are already mothers are denied an abortion, their existing children are less likely to achieve developmental milestones and more likely to live below the poverty line and experience hunger. So it's just this continuous cycle that's repeating. And like we pointed out in the beginnings, like history is repeating itself if people end up resorting to illegal abortions. That could mean more people dying. And if people are having children, that means more people are in poverty, unable to access healthcare. It's just this continuous cycle. I'm just going to segue into our organization this week. So this week we wanted to highlight Sister Song and their organization that is working on reproductive justice. So Sister Song is a Southern-based national membership organization, and their purpose is to build an effective network of individuals and organizations to improve institutional policies and systems that impact the reproductive lives of marginalized communities. And I really wanted to highlight how they define reproductive justice. So they define reproductive justice as the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, have children, not have children, and parent the children we have in a safe and sustainable community. That's just such a a powerful statement. We don't want to just focus solely on having abortions, but just being able to have a baby safely. If you don't want to have a baby to not be forced to have a baby. And once you have that child for that child to grow up in a safe and sustainable environment.
1: Mm -hmm. That's so important because that is what I would say is a real true, authentic definition of what you mean by Mm pro-life you're focusing on people living and thriving and focusing on giving them the tools and resources they need to provide not only for themselves, but for their families. Mm -hmm.
0: They also point out that they believe that reproductive justice is a human right. And also it's about access, not choice. And they point out that many mainstream movements, they have focused on keeping abortion legal as an individual choice which is necessary, but it's not enough. Even when abortion is legal, many women of color cannot afford it or cannot travel hundreds of miles to the nearest clinic. There is no choice where there is no access. And I really like this organization because they're not just focusing on abortion solely, they're focusing on reproductive justice and just having access to not just abortion, but they point out many marginalized women have difficulty accessing contraceptive, comprehensive sex education, STI prevention and care, alternative birth options, adequate prenatal and pregnancy care, domestic violence assistance, adequate wages to support families in safe homes. So they're really looking at a holistic and comprehensive approach please go to their website, follow them on social media to learn more about what they're doing to fight for our reproductive rights to serve, especially they're working with our Southern communities, but you can become a member of their organization. And also you can donate to them as well. And I know this episode was a lot and we tried to touch on a few key things, but Abortion and reproductive rights is a very complex topic, and we will be coming back with specific cases that deal with Black women and their reproductive rights in future episodes. But please check out the show notes to learn more. You can learn more about the specific laws and reproductive rights that are in your specific state as well. But thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss or share your own personal story, email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at distrustanddisparities and on Twitter at distrustpod. Thank you